from days of long ago. From uncharted regions of the universe comes a legend. Podcast episode 244, Stealth Hammer 2020. I'm your host, Ryan. And I'm Robert. And welcome back, everyone. Hey, Robert's back. Hey, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) I'm here for my annual visit. It's like you uh, are. Actually, this is twice this year. I know. Second time Uh, this year. You feeling okay? That's true. Uh, Well, you know, uh, it's kind of like that uh, proctologist exam you're supposed to do. Uh, and you kind of dread it, but you know you're supposed to. It's one of those situations. Gotcha. Well, and and, and actually, last time it really was like that because you were like laying in bed sick and still oh, did the show. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I was like laid up. I thought for sure I was dying. Yeah, and then dude. my my wife was mad at me because I was just feverish, sick, right in the middle of when like COVID was hitting. And I right. thought for sure I had the virus, and I was good for nothing. This is, of course, exactly when we're moving. Like, we're moving house, like, right when I'm, like, laid up, dead sick. She's so mad at me, and she's like, you better have COVID, because that's the only good excuse <laughs> that you are not helping me move these boxes. Sure enough, I go get tested. I didn't get my results for, like, 10 days, so I was, like, quarantined in the guest room forever. Right. And uh, finally, I get my results back. No COVID. I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> You're like, like Doc, can you lie a little bit? Uh, and I was like, please, can you just give me COVID so I can tell my wife? <laughs> The doctor's like, I've never had anyone ask for it. <laughs> <laughs> I know, man. Anyway, but uh, it was just walking but, pneumonia. And that wasn't good enough for <laughs> Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you could still lift boxes with that. I know. I, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're feeling better. I'm glad Thank you're you. back. And, and I actually had uh, an analogy. I mentioned to Robert before the episode started. Oh. That I had an analogy for when Robert comes onto the show. And I promised him it would be nice. Um, I had some negative ones that, <laughs> <laughs> which again, I said I left the door wide open for that. You did. Which is, it's you, understandable, yeah. You did, you did. But, uh, I've really realized, so everyone loves it when you come on the show. 
Like, I think we get more listeners when you come on. So you technically <laughs> should be coming on every episode because no one wants to listen to me. They just, they want to, they're like, oh, Robert's going to be on this one. Okay, we'll come. Yeah, oh, oh they're going to like, they're, they're going to verbally abuse Robert. I can't wait. I can't wait to <laughs> right. right. Or they'll be like, oh, Chuck's going to be on. It's like, yeah, Ryan, Ryan's always there. We're just going to, but hey, if Chuck <laughs> or Robert's going to be on, and, and holy crap, if both of you are on, it's yeah. like a free for all. Um, but I realized the anal- the perfect analogy f- for you, okay. this, and it and it kind of ties into Joe. So you'll you'll love this. Right. So you're like the military dad that gets that gets called away for active duty, and the kids ah. are left at home. And then when you come home from active duty, everybody is so happy and thrilled to see you. So that's what that's what it's like. It's like you come, you just came home from a tour of duty, and the kids are here, and they're like. Robert's home, Daddy's home. So that's that's my analogy for you. See, okay, I I'm cool with that because it makes it feel honorable. Yeah. While why I'm gone. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like a degenerate low life who doesn't uh, uphold. Well, in, yeah. Like, the other analogy was that you were an abusive dad. <laughs> man, those are two ends of that spectrum, man. Right. Jeez. Who gave finally is giving a little bit of attention and love to his children. <laughs> oh, no. Hey, you said we weren't going to go down this path, right? I, I went with the positive one. You're the one that brought up the negative <laughs> I was going to leave right. it alone with the military honorable know, dad coming man. home. Yeah, and then you're well, like, well, let's talk about the abuse. Okay, well, let's talk about the abuse. Okay, well, I mean, if you're going to set it up like that, then I expect full tears, complete waterworks, <laughs> like I expect a YouTube video where I see my dog and everybody cries. Like that's what I want. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. you get that from the listeners. You're not gonna get that from me. I uh, know. I figured. I'm like I'm like the spouse that's like, it's about time you got home. <laughs> Here, here's your honey do list. As soon as I <laughs> right, get back, like right. that's, move that's some boxes. Me and your your relationship is here's the boxes <laughs> right. that need moves. Right. You exactly. better have COVID. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So. <laughs> Uh, with us today, I, he's been waiting in the wings long enough, and I'm sure he would love to jump in on this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> um, today we're going to be talking about uh, the comic that that uh, we're working on and everything, the Stealth Hammer. We're doing a Kickstarter again for it, uh, and uh, should definitely be successful this time. and have a lot of reasons why, uh, but one of the big reasons why uh, I think it'll be successful is uh, the, I'll, I'll be nice and say the gentleman who's joining us, which is uh, <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Mr. Joel Jackson, who is gonna is the artist, and I, I'll just call you illustrator, because you do the art and the inking and, and everything else. So the illustrator, Mr. Joel Jackson, thank you for joining us today. Hello, thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, sorry, you were just kind of waiting in the wings as Robert and I abused each other. But... <laughs> no, you're fine. I was just trying to silently laugh. So <laughs> I was trying not to make too much noise. <laughs> no, you're good. So now you can feel free to to laugh and and join in uh, as much as you wish to. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, thrilled to have you on. Um, uh, and I, I'm happy to introduce you to the listeners and and everything else. Um, I mentioned so I was on an episode recently of uh, Sarlacc Digest uh, mm-hmm. podcast that you just recently had me on. They do a video cast, and Scott Kruger, who's a listener of of Star Joe's, uh, invited me on there. And uh, it's episode 81 for anyone that wants to check it out. Uh, we talk about the podcast. We talk about the Stealth Hammer. And then we also talk about uh, just Star Wars in general and everything else. Uh, and on there, I mentioned uh, when I first came across Joel. So how, how I met Joel was my, I was searching for an artist to work on this with me. 
And my wife reached out to her old art, art studio and said, hey, does anyone know anyone that works in comics, does comic art and everything else? And one of her classmates says, yeah, I have a good buddy of mine, Joel, who does art. I can get you in touch with him. And uh, I did some searching and found his, you know, uh, some of his art online and everything else, found his profile and everything, and, and was like, yeah, this is this guy has exactly what I'm looking for. He has, like, detailed style, cartoony style. This is going to work great. And then I saw his profile, and I meant, and it's long story to get to this point, but I mentioned <laughs> this profile. I mentioned it in the, the Sarlacc Digest podcast. Bef- after I had already decided this is the artist, then I look at his profile and see that he dreams of growing up to be He-Man or a Transformer. And I'm like, this is the guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> You bypass the interview stage, like the resume shoots to the top. Like, that's exactly what you Right, <laughs> right. So, um, so that Unfortunately, was Unfortunately, awesome. I haven't done that yet. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's okay to have long-term goals. Like, that that's can true. still happen. <laughs> right. high, right? All, that's right. All, <laughs> all it takes is either finding a sword or having your brain put into a robot. It's yeah. It's one of the two. Well, I, we might be close to one of those. I don't know. We can see. Because right. <laughs> if your brain's in a robot, you're either potentially a Transformer or just Crane. I mean, or which is true. also great, yeah. That's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> You'll go either direction. <laughs> Do you like my new body? <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so as you can all tell, uh, Joel fits in perfectly with this group. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, so even though I, I, I saw your art and, uh, uh, got to see the, about you, which was awesome. Uh, and I know, and we've been working together and everything else. I really didn't delve into you and your background or anything like that. And it was kind of intentional because it was, I was looking for someone who was good at their art, but I also wanted to save it because I knew I was going to be doing an episode with you and I wanted to kind of learn about you the same way our audience is going to learn about you. So, um, so give us like, I guess go back to, was there a time that you knew that you were going to be like illustrator graphic design? Like when did that kind of hit you that you were like, this is probably where my career is going to take me. Sure. Um, I don't know if I've ever thought about being much other than that. Cause I've always just done it. Like since I was a little kid, I've just drawn all the time. I used to get in trouble in school for drawing on the back of my tests. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I still know my fourth grade teacher, and he feels horrible about yelling at me for it. Um, <laughs> what were, what were right? some of the things that you would draw? Because I'm curious about this. Oh, man. I mean, I, always just stuff I would come up with, you know, on my own. But, uh-huh. yeah, even in school, kids would always have me draw, like, Ninja Turtles. And, yeah. Simpsons characters, and I, I mean, I even remember in high school, I got in trouble for drawing. <laughs> You'll appreciate this, I think. That's a pretty funny story. Uh, we were on a band trip, and I was drawing Sailor Moon on one of the girls' backs on the bus and got in trouble for it. <laughs> on her oh, back, like straight on, like with Sharpie or something? Uh, yeah, I think it wasn't Sharpie. It was probably a washable marker, but you know, they weren't exactly excited about that. <laughs> That's great. Uh, that so, sounds like a very typical band trip. That sounds yeah, pretty sure. much like how band trips go. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, whatever people would want me to draw, I'd always be coming up with my own creations. I mean, we started making comics with my friends in, like, probably, I think it was fifth grade. And I've just been 
you know, making my own comics since then. Uh, it just hasn't stopped. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so you were drawing in school and, uh, and then like, so once you got into high school, uh, cause I know you went to, uh, to college and everything for this, like, yeah. uh, so at that point, did you know, okay, this is, this is what I'm going to do with my life. So I need to go to this school or was it kind of, I, I'll take us through that process. Like, was it just like, yes, yeah, this is where I have to go to school to, to study this. Cause this is what I want to do. Yeah, sure. Um, so in high school, you know, anytime I could be in the art room, I would be there. Um, it, this actually kind of has to deal with what we're doing with the crowdfunding. My first graphic novel I made, uh, was in high school. Nice. It was a 200 page book. <laughs> Wow. You know, let's start small. Right. 200 pages. <laughs> I had, I bought a, a used copy machine. My uncle's father sold toner cartridges. Okay. So I would sit in my living room and print this thing out. The way I funded it is I would walk around the lunchroom with a hat and ask people for money and take pre-orders for the book and no get way. people to pay me up front. Oh yeah. It was insane. And then I bound it with those like, um, you know, like the plastic rings that yeah. you, uh, like would bind a notebook with. Yeah. I bound it with that. And it was this 200 page. We bought like a Comicraft lettering stuff and my uh-huh. friend lettered it. He had no idea how to do it. I mean, it does not look great, but it was super <laughs> ambitious for the time. Oh, no, yeah. Oh my gosh. A 200 page project. Like that's exactly the advice we tell people not to do. Oh yeah. And that's amazing that you. <laughs> You had the work ethic to get that done. That is phenomenal. That's well, so much been work. Making a bunch of comics up until then and not really doing anything with them. Me and my right. friends, like some write them and I would draw them and we'd like color them with crayons and markers or whatever we yeah. had. And then up to that point, I'm like, I need to make something. And we went to the Pittsburgh Comic Con and sold them. I think That's I awesome. sold like 11 my first day or something. It was crazy. Yeah. Like it was stupid. Like nobody should have bought it, but they did. <laughs> and I, I go back and look at it and I'm like, well, you know what? Pretty impressive for where I was, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm pretty happy with it. For no, I'm just impressed you were, <laughs> you were producing. I mean, the, so I, I, I kind of want to clarify my comment. When I say yeah. we tell people not to do that, it's just because it's typically too ambitious of a project that they get lost in the weeds and they don't ever finish it or it, it's hard to pace out a story that large. So we say, you know, take smaller chunks or smaller increments to, to kind of get started. And oh, yeah. I'm just like that. I don't think I've ever heard of anybody successfully banging out a 200-page graphic novel in high school and actually getting it produced. That's a phenomenal. It's it's crazy. Is what it's yeah. like. That's so cool. I think you're giving people the right advice. You know what I mean? Um, but so I, there was it was undeniable. Like I couldn't do anything else. You know what I mean? So I started looking around at art schools, and uh, it was either like I got. Uh, accepted and like nice uh, scholarships from uh, Cleveland Institute of Art and Columbus College of Art and Design. So I went to Columbus and studied illustration there. Um, they had one comic book class at the time that I had to retake the same class every year. And the teacher would have to like continue making assignments for us to like <laughs> not just have the base class. It was Joe Caroni. He does a lot of star Wars stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah. So Joe was my teacher, a uh, super nice guy. Yeah, very cool. Um, and then, you know, just worked my way through there and uh, graduated and still made comics after that, self-published uh, the whole way through college and after college. Wow, that's that's <laughs> yeah. impressive. 
Um, yeah, and, and <laughs> once again, showing that uh, we found the right person. <laughs> the, fact that, yeah. the fact that the person teaching you is had ties to Star Wars. Yeah, we're good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think, was it was it on the uh, the Star Wars podcast you were talking, you guys were talking about Ayla Secura? Yeah, yeah. Remember that? I, I went to a show when Joe was there and Ayla was there, and I got to hang out with her one time. She was super nice. She, like, brought us all food because we were just poor college kids. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> she was a very sweet person. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought about that when I was listening to the show. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Um. And uh, now you work as a uh, – Graphic designer, illustrator. Um. So now I'm yeah, f- uh, freelance uh, illustrator. I did graphic design for years. Worked for a bunch of different companies um, in the retail, you know, market. Nothing too exciting. But I mean, I used to do windows mm-hmm. for uh, for a store and had some windows in New York, and it was it was cool. Like it was a really neat job. I used to go to China for one job and work with people at factories, and we made bobbleheads and statues. Football. So I've had a lot of different experiences, but you know, uh, drawing, illustrating is always my number one. Yeah. You know, especially comics. Yeah, that's awesome. And then you, uh, you had, like you were talking about some of your, uh, self-published stuff. Uh, you actually yeah. kind of, uh, if I'm, if I read everything right, you started your own, uh, publishing company or your own production of comics that you were doing for a little while there, right? Yeah. I had one for, uh, a while called Crap in a Hat Comics. <laughs> and, uh, that was all throughout college. And then, uh, we went to Chicago Comic Con one year and I was showing a book idea I had around with some people. And uh, I showed it to Eric Larson and he was kind of speechless at how bad it was, I think. <laughs> or at least how bad he thought it was. And, uh, it was very discouraging because the art school I went to really like, they beat us up pretty bad. Like I had projects thrown across the room. Everybody did. Like it was yeah. intense. Like they really get you ready for the world. And uh, that's how Robert that, teaches too. That one hurt. <laughs> you know? I was like, <laughs> well, what prepared me for that was coming on Star Joe's. Right. Oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. So after after that, I didn't make a comic for a few years, and then whenever I was going to get married, um, I drew a comic about like the story of how I met my wife. And it's actually a pretty unique, interesting story. And it made a cool comic. And it was also the um, program for our wedding. So as you're reading the comic at the wedding, it's like your favorite too. At the end, the last panel is you holding the comic at the wedding. So like uh, I was brought you up to that moment and uh-huh. I was like, all right, I'm back into comics. And that's where I came up with the two headed monster comics, yeah. uh, just in my company now. And it's a monster that's my head and my wife's head. That's yeah, awesome. <laughs> that is very awesome. Yeah. So you said it was uh, interesting how you guys met. Uh, do you want to share how that happened? Uh, well, so she's also an artist. Uh, she's a graphic designer. We both went to the same college, um, and she was a year ahead of me. We had you know similar friends, but um, whenever I we started you know hanging out or whatever, I was in her room and I looked at the back of her door. And I was like, hold on a second. What is that picture? Now, she had originally noticed me because I was wearing a Sleater Kinney shirt, you know, the band Sleater Kinney, and it said, show me your riffs. And she came over and talked to me at a party, and that was like the first time we'd met. And on the back of her door was a picture of that show. 
Oh, wow. This is the Andrew Kinney show where I got the shirt, and I'm in the picture. Oh, jeez. What? Yeah. <laughs> Super hilarious. And uh, it was just these all these uh, synchronicities like that that happened. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's cheesy, but uh, no, unique, that, you know? Kind of, it's kind of it reminds me of my wife and me because we met we met online. Uh, mm-hmm. She was looking for a friend of hers online. She came across my profile. We were both on America Online at the time. She saw I was online. She saw my quote, which is from uh, Queen's song "We Will Rock You," and uh, she just sent me a message that said, "Hey, cool quote." And we started talking uh, through instant messenger and started talking on the phone. Then, and then we met in person. And the rest was history. But the uh, interesting thing about it was her dad owned a company, uh, which was one street over from where my parents grew up. Oh, geez. Um, so there was that. We both owned Saturns, and she would she was very involved with uh, with the she loved her Saturn, and there was like Saturn days and stuff like that. And she so she was asking me like, did you ever go to this one? Did you go to that one? We found out like we had the same plates as kids. Like it was just like all these little <laughs> weird things. The biggest thing though was she played basketball and her dad coached the team mm-hmm. and uh, she's the same age as my sister. And uh, so my sister played basketball Well, her dad would normally record some of the game, but not all of it. And he'd go back and watch the tapes to help the team. Um, and this was grade school. So he was a very intense. <laughs> so he was into it. Yeah. He was into it. <laughs> um, and uh, so there was uh, one game that he couldn't be there for. So he asked to have the whole game tape so he could watch the whole thing. That happened to be the game that my sister uh, and the school we went to played against her team. And so <laughs> we actually got to watch <clears throat> the VHS tape while we were dating of my sister and her playing basketball against each other. <laughs> and uh, my my wife stole the ball from my sister, and my sister fouled <laughs> my wife, uh, which sounds about right. <clears throat> you could also hear my mom a little bit in the background yelling because she had a very loud voice that would carry. Uh, so you would hear that. And I said, I was probably at that game because unless I had a, a basketball game going on too, I always went to my sister's games. So right. I was like, I was very likely in that audience at the time. So, um, so yeah, so that that's was crazy. our, that was our big that's connection thing. That's, cr- that's a microscopic world right there. Right. Exactly. So, um, so, and then, uh, so after all of that, <laughs> then all of a sudden you get this request, Hey, I got an idea for a comic. You want to draw it? <laughs> well, you know, I, I, you know, I, I've always just kind of worked on them myself. I've worked with a few other writers, you know, friends of mine, and uh, I've always had a really good experience that way, but I've never really drawn a comic for somebody else. Right. So uh, it was a pretty interesting project, you know. It was a, got to look at it, got to read it, and think about it, and it seemed super fun. And uh, I was looking for something really fun to draw. I think my style works well for, you know, an all-ages book. Yeah. Um, but is still, you know, uh, visually complex enough to keep adults interested, I guess. Yeah. Well, that was, <laughs> that was the thing I liked about your art was that it, like, I mentioned it earlier, like, it, it's, uh, got that cartoony all ages feel to it, which I was looking for, but it also had the, uh, has the detail to it. So, um, you, you look in the backgrounds and you look on this, uh, the sides and everything else and it's, it's, 
there's so much to look at. There's a lot to take in, in a, in a very good way. Um, so like, uh, I know we, uh, did the first page there and, and I was like, you know, in the script, it talks about specific things that are in the room, but then I was like, just draw whatever you think fits into this world. And it might become part of the story at some point. <laughs> so like, there's bookshelves and everything else. And man, you sent me what you did. And I was like, yeah, we I found the right person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been, it's been really fun kind of being on the periphery of this. And Ryan will kind of shoot over a, a text or a quick email, just kind of uh, just ecstatic, just so crazy happy with uh, the art that's coming in. And um, whenever you get a chance to work on something that's personal, of course, Joel, you've been working on your own. And then Ryan, this is kind of your first big creative project. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's so fun to see... One, it's fun to see what you've created from nothing become something, yes. right? Because that's not something we get to do every day in our lives. Like yeah. typically, uh, it's kind of a, a rare occasion for most people. So yeah. to be able to see that is, is pretty amazing. But then also to collaborate is a really fun experience. It's one thing to work on your own stuff um, yeah. because you, have, you put a lot of pressure on yourself and you want to make sure it, it's up to your own expectations or what you see in your mind or you think the story should be. But as soon as you hand it off to somebody else and they have some say, whether it's a visual say or I've done projects where I created the concept where I was handing it off to a writer to kind of write the dialogue and fill out the characters and things. And inevitably, they're never going to do it exactly what you pictured in your head or what you thought it might be. But the best part is when they embellish it. They just yeah. make it even better than you could have even thought and you're like oh my gosh it's so fulfilling it's so cool when well, you get to get that and, experience and i'll give you a good example and and joel uh you'll be able to kind of go into what your thought process was it but this is like this was like a little sure. subtle thing so one of the big things was that uh previously we had uh alex that designed some of the characters so uh, mm-hmm. this, uh she designed stealth hammer her her father her uncle uh ari the elf uh marzana which is one of the villains um, but there was still a lot to, to flesh out, uh, when it came to that world. Um, but Joel needed to be able to take those characters, her, her character sheets and, and the descriptions of those characters and, and make it his style and his, mm-hmm. uh, his own look, uh, while still being true to the characters. Um, and I remember getting, uh, a, uh, a sketch that you did of Dr. Everett, her father. And he's tinkering and he's got his tongue sticking out. (laughs) And I was like, I saw that image and I go, I would have never thought of that as being like a little thing that he does, but it's so perfect for this character. Um, and I think I remember you given your reasoning behind like why, why you went with that. Oh yeah. No, I, uh, as I was drawing, I was trying to think of like, he's concentrating so hard and like so into his work, you know, think about like, the absent-minded professor or something like that, you know, and he's just so into it. And I automatically thought of my dad, uh, you know, when he'd be fixing something in the garage or building something and he's really thinking and really concentrating his tongue, boom, straight up sticks out just like that. <laughs> and I was like, that is this weird little char- character trait that um, you almost don't know you're doing yeah. when you're so like in yeah, it. Into it. Um, yeah. So I was like, Oh, that's just like a fun little personality quirk. Yeah. And then there was, and there was other things that, that Joel like kind of added to kind of expand on the characters. Like, uh, since 
the whole idea behind it is that you got this, uh, I guess the short elevator pitches. You have a, a superhero that's caught in this world that's like Mega Man meets Thor. So you got like this crazy technology, but you also have like this supernatural mythology going on at the same time. And, uh, also on Dr. Everett, what Joel drew was like this wrist, uh, contraption that has like holograms that come up. So think like a minority report or something like that where you got the, the screens that right. appear and everything. Um, and I was like, and I was like, that's a really cool concept too. So to your point, Robert, there was things that like I never thought of that now are like ingrained into the, this mythology, this story and everything yeah. else. And it's because of what Joel took that I described, like, here's this character's traits, here's what, the, what he's like. And Joel's like, well, if this is what he's like, then this is what he would have, and this is what he would do, and, and everything. And that, yeah, like you said, that's that collaboration back and forth of, like, now that's part of that character's persona, and that's that becomes part of the story then. So, um, Yeah, that's one of my favorite things to do whenever trying to, you know, come up with characters or design characters is really get into that space. Like, he has that hollow computer wrist unit because he doesn't have to go over there and waste his time to do that because he's focusing on this job now. He's got the pocket protector that probably has pens, little screwdrivers, so he doesn't have to go find it. It's just right there. It's all about convenience and speed and, like, being in the project, you know? Yeah. And then that played into a creation that uh, that Joel came up with uh, that is now uh, something I'm working on to figure out, like, names and everything else is he also drew these little robots, uh, like one little robot on, on Dr. Everett's shoulder. And then like, they're just these little, I refer to them as like batteries, not included little robots. They're, they're, oh, cool. yeah, they're, yeah. they're just like, they're about that size. They're like real small, but they're like his little assistants. And to your point, Joel, like it's, he, how I picture it is he basically made them so he doesn't have to go from this side of the room to that. He can send them to go do the things that he needs to have done. Um, and, uh, also, he, he drew these little robots, and I'm like, and they they kind of spun out of drawing stuff for Watts, which is one of the one of the main, like main supporting cast members uh, in the uh-huh. ongoing series. And uh, I says, <laughs> I remember saying to him like, you do, I really love these robots, but you do realize now I got to come up with names for all of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, um, but it's fun. Yeah, no, it's it's uh. So that, like I said, it's a big part of the the collaboration process. And then that, it just kind of continues to grow in those little subtleties. Um, and then we each kind of have a, a bit of a voice. So yeah. uh, I've, I've kind of done a similar thing with Quinn, who's been on the show in the past over the years with our RuneStone project or, uh, um, you know, just other other people. Uh, right after I finish up the Joe stuff, there's another project I'll be starting with a writer that um, – we're kind of at that initial stage too, where somebody else did the initial designs. It's kind of the exact same position Joel's in here. Like somebody else did all the design work and then they had to leave the project. And then I'm coming in to kind of really put my stamp on it. And, uh, and we're kind of finding like there's things I'm adding, you know, that are unique to me and things that have influenced me that, you know, shift the visuals slightly, but for the most part, it just kind of embellishes it in a different way. Yeah. Um, well, I will uh, tell you, Robert. My goal for my Kickstarter is, uh, or for our Kickstarter is to, uh, it's just a personal goal, is that I will have this issue out before Elders of the Runestone. Um, so. oh, <laughs> I gotta say, I only have two pages left to draw. I gotta say, we've been waiting uh, eight years for it. 
Okay, well, that's a good point. Now, if you say from start to finish. No, no, no. Better, no, no. I'm just saying. You're from, talking about like from today? From today, yeah, yeah. You might, you might still beat us. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, I'm just saying that's a, little pers- that's a little personal goal for myself. So. <laughs> Remember that abuse we talked about earlier? <laughs> well, I, yeah. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take that bet like, for myself either. Uh, I think you'll beat us. I think you'll beat us. It's, um, it's really coming along, though. But uh, It is. I get the updates. We'll, they look yeah, awesome. Yeah, you get all the updates. It's, yeah. it, we're coming along. Yeah. Um, well, and I will say, too, uh, and, this, and I actually bring it up a little bit also because um, I'm glad you mentioned Quinn because Quinn was uh, one of the rewards that I did for Elder Runestone was for him to review something that I wrote. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I just didn't have anything to have him review <laughs> for a long time. <laughs> so, right. so then I was doing this and I was like, Hey Quinn, um, would you mind? I was, I think it said something like the reward was something like he would review like 10 pages. And I was like, I got a 22 page comic. Would you be willing to review the whole thing? And he did an amazing job of, uh, giving me back like all this feedback and, uh, amazingly awesome constructive, fe- uh, constructive criticism and everything else. Like it was honest, it was yeah. direct, but it was very nicely done and it was, it was to better the project. And, uh, and I knew what I was sending was a rough draft. So it was a matter of yeah. like, please pick it apart, beat it up. I don't care. Uh, I want it to be good. So, um, so he, he read it and, uh, he responded with like, his initial thing was like, I'm having, a, first off, I'm having a lot of fun reading this. <laughs> yeah. But then he said, uh, he did the first half of the issue and then he's going to send me the second half later. So he sent me the first half. Like I said, amazing feedback, awesomely done. And I right away started doing rewrites. Um, and then he sent me the second half and I went right and I went into that and everything else. The problem was the first time he sent me the feedback, I responded back and thanked him very much and everything else. The second time he sent me feedback, I just went right into doing rewrites and everything else. I didn't right. respond to him. And so then later on, I reached out to him and was just like, hey, I uh, wanted to let you know, like, this is going great. And uh, would you be it, would it be OK with you if in the comic itself, I listed you as my editor since you did so much rewrites? And he goes, I would be I would love to be listed that way that thank you very much i was actually a little afraid that you didn't like my <laughs> my <laughs> feedback because i didn't hear back from you <laughs> right he thought he finally like broke that was the straw that broke the <laughs> he's like back. that was too much was too much you couldn't take it but it was it was actually great feedback uh and then it was also awesome because uh after he did that i uh went back and kind of like i said not only wrote it uh, rewrote things but i rewrote it again and then when I sent it to Joel, uh, again, going back to that collaboration, Joel sent back saying, hey, this looks great. Here's a couple things that weren't clear for me. And right. he's coming into a cold, which uh, which Quinn was too, but uh, but he was coming into a cold with the, the rewrites. And he also knew where I wanted to go with the story. Uh, and so he says, what about this? And this part wasn't clear. What if you did uh-huh. something about this? And then he, he was like, and I know you want it to be supernatural and, and technology. He says, but in this story, it's mostly technology. What if we did, what, what if we just threw something like this in at the end that kind of brings that mythology in? And all, all those were great suggestions also. So I was like, yep, going to totally rewrite those parts. And, uh, <laughs> so. So it's been very good back and forth uh, when it comes comes to all that, and 
and yeah, there's been things that he's drawn that I'm like, okay, this is uh, definitely part of the story. Like in the first page, which people will see this on the Kickstarter, they'll see the, the uh, we have a few pages that we're showing and, and we're showing a cover image. Um, but yeah. on the first page, he drew like all this stuff. And I remember mentioning that uh, she has a lineage that goes back, the character has a lineage that goes back to like King Arthur and Thor and stuff like that. And right. so there was a sword hanging up in the, in the room. And I said, was that Excalibur? Cause I remember mentioning King Arthur and Joel's like, nah, I just thought the sword looked cool up there and everything else. I was like, okay, well that's Excalibur now. <laughs> <laughs> and there's going to be a reason why it's hanging up there. <laughs> and we'll, that's get, awesome. we'll get to there at some point. Um, Subconsciously, I remember it somehow. I'm sure you did. I'm sure that's what it was. Um, but then I also love all well, the little Easter eggs that you threw into the, the first page. Uh, I, like there's the book of heat shows up. Yes. Uh, there's also a Shira book. Uh, there was a few things you threw in there. I don't know if you want to mention some other things that people can kind of keep their eyes open for when they, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's a bunch of actual like design books that I own at our house. I put in there that, uh, I really like, you know, <laughs> like real designers and stuff like that. Um, what else did I put in there? Yeah, like she has jujitsu, uh, not jujitsu, but um, oh, what judo. martial arts does she judo. study? Sorry, judo. Judo. Yeah. There's judo equipment all in her room, like hidden in there. There's a trophy I uh, put in there. Yeah. Uh, there's uh, multiple globes that I thought was very funny. There's a regular globe, a Pangea globe, and a flat Earth globe. Yes. Uh, that made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't know, pick your poison. Right. Um. But hey, who knows? Uh, and even like the maps up on her ceiling that are framed. I think one is uh, an Iceland map. One is an Atlantis map. Um, man, there's all kinds of stuff. I just, I go crazy whenever I can add a bunch of things like that. Anything that like pushes the character, you know, even on her like a uh, little corkboard at her desk. Yeah. Uh, there's a picture of her boyfriend pinned up and a drawing of her dog. Yep. And just little post-its everywhere and, I try and, uh, just like whenever you're coming up with things for the character, you're like, okay, if you're that character and you live here, like, what is your room like? Right. You know, she seems to have a hectic life and, uh, her room's a little hectic too, but yeah. she has certain things in there that call to her designy side and to her adventure side. And, yeah. uh, well, and the thing that was interesting too was like, um, the, the picture, like you mentioned on the corkboard, the picture of her boyfriend laughing, um, that was like a sketch you sent me that you did of the boyfriend. And yes. And I recognized it. I was like, this was larger before. And then he like shook it down and put it right in that little picture. <laughs> and it looked awesome. Um, and then like, there's even these little details. Like she, there's a, um, uh, uh, amulet or medallion that she has that plays a part in the story. Um, and it's, it's hanging there at her desk. And I do remember having that in the, in the script, like mentioned it's mm -hmm. hanging there at her desk, uh, or by her desk or something like that. Um, it's small in in this image, it and if you're not looking for it, it does get lost as far as, and I don't mean that in a negative way, I mean it's just like you're t trying to take this all in, and then when you start looking at all the details, and then you, like, when you find out about this, uh, this medallion and everything, like, you can go back to page one and go, oh my god, it was there all along. Um, and it's crazy, the detail, because you even got, like, the symbol on it and everything else, and this thing's small, like, it's very small. <laughs> But but you could but you still got like that symbol in there and and it's still noticeable like when you know what to look for. So uh, one of my favorite dumb little details that doesn't 
actually accomplish anything. Um, or up where all the clocks are above her window seat there. Yeah. There is, it's also, uh, they're all like hooked together. And one of the clocks is one of the, um, calculator watches from the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a, uh, a wire hanger as an antenna hooked up to yes. one of them too, which I love. Anytime I get thrown a wire hanger for an antenna, I do. I did, I did notice the wire <laughs> hanger and I absolutely loved that. That was fantastic. Um, I did not notice the, the watch. That is awesome. I think it's upper left hand yeah. corner. Yeah, I see it now. Yeah. See, I'm even start, I'm even missing stuff that is just like these awesome little <laughs> details. And I had this thing blown up on a big computer and was like looking at everything. So like it was a, it was a fun thing to do. Um, and we will have digi- a digital copy of, of the comic. So everyone will be able to do that too. Just zoom in mm-hmm. and see all the little details that are going on there. So, so I was, uh, just as a quick, Aside, did you want to do the the rapid fire questions first? Sure. Or talk about yeah. the Kickstarter yeah. first. Yeah, we can talk. We can do the rapid fire first, uh, since that's usually how we uh, wrap up okay. the uh, um, uh, interview process, and then we'll go into the more of the comic and the Kickstarter and everything. So, okay. All cool. right, Joel. So you you ready for sure. this? This this is the make or break moment. This decides if you're going to still be on the show the rest of the episode. <laughs> I know. No <laughs> pressure, but this is if we ever talk to you again. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> so, so these are ten questions that you're asked, uh, and a lot of them are this or that, but some of them are just like uh, just quick answers. You can explain your answer if you wish to. You don't have to. Uh, and you can yeah. answer them any way you wish to. So even though I give you this or that, you can you can go off the board. Some people have done that before. So uh, nice. All right. So number one question we ask this of everybody. This is this is definitely the make or break question. Uh, this is uh, Star Wars or Star Trek. Oh, Star Wars a hundred percent. Okay, you can stay <laughs> on the show. Yeah, <laughs> that, is, that is that is definitely uh, the truth. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> It's okay, like to like the we, other one. At, at that point, we wouldn't have even said bye. Right. Like, end of call. No, that justified. Call. Right. Justified. Robert and I just would have kept doing the show, and we've been like, so about that Kickstarter. Well, yeah, exactly. we would just kept going, but yeah, you wouldn't have been on it. <laughs> All right. Trek's fine, but I'm by no means like a fan. Fan. You know what I mean? Like Star yeah. Wars is in my blood. Yeah. You know? Yeah. See, I and I'm kind of in the same boat, like. Ryan, we tried to convince him to watch Star Trek, and he just wanted to do it. I tried. I kind of grew up. I know, I know. <laughs> I watched I grew episodes. up on the, on the next gen, like, with my family. So, for me, it's like a nostalgic love of, like, doing something with my family. But when it comes to, like, lore and, oh, my gosh, there's just so much character. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, it's like hands down. That's pretty a no-brainer. So, so, I need to clarify. <laughs> We've mentioned this on the show once before. But I need to clarify for Joel, like, what happened when it came to the Star Trek thing. Because... <laughs> because here's the thing i i want to like everything i want yeah. so like especially when it comes to geeky stuff like like i wasn't a doctor who fan at all and uh growing up or anything like that and then uh i tried watching some of the more modern day ones and i evidently watched the wrong episodes um and then my buddy chuck uh who does the show with me uh he's like well watch this episode it's called blink Oh yeah! And oh, that's such a good. It's moment. such a good episode. And I watched it. I was like, okay, now I get it. <laughs> right. And I went back, and that episode caused me to go back and watch a bunch of other episodes. So Chuck gave me one <laughs> one episode to watch, 
So Robert and some other people. <laughs> Dar- it was Daryl. Daryl, yes. Robert and Daryl were trying to convince <laughs> oh, me no. to watch Star to give Star Trek another chance since it's been a while yeah. and tastes change and everything else. And I was like, all right, I will give you guys three episodes. Normal it only took one episode for Doctor Who, but I'll give you three episodes. Anything I was like, you guys know what I like. You know I like origin stories, you know I like yeah. alternate realities, you know, I you guys know what I like. So pick three episodes and I will watch them. <laughs> I will watch all three of them. And it could be from any generation of Star Trek. It could be original, next gen, whatever. They come back and give me six episodes. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, no, three. <laughs> You don't. That's kind of like. You're not going to understand it if you just watch these three. When you when you give when you when you give some when you're trying to indoctrinate somebody into something that they typically don't like, you don't overwhelm them with double what they asked for to begin with. (laughs) Here, watch this half a season. If you don't understand that, watch the rest of the season. Right. So, in fairness, they did give me episodes that were. Uh, along the lines of things I just mentioned, which was like they gave me the, yeah, the, the there's alternate reality, yeah, there was there's a, a little bit of origin, yeah, there was the con, there was the con origin, and I do like the, yeah. I like the Star Trek uh-huh. movies, so I liked Wrath of Khan, so they actually gave me the yeah. first appearance of Khan, uh, which that one wasn't too bad, uh, is it, it, it's dated <laughs> of course, but I yeah, expe- it's pretty, I expected that going into it, so sure, um, but the but yeah, the Next Generation episode was an alternate reality one that you know was extremely disappointing. <laughs> well, and I imagine that's got to be tough. Like you have to be very familiar with the reality to appreciate the alternate reality too. Yeah, well, that's part of it. And I, I know enough of Star Trek yeah, to, no, to be sure, dangerous. Sure. <laughs> yeah. And well, and I remember, I remember thinking like, again, yeah, because you would, uh, it was towards the end of maybe the second season or something like that. It's where, uh, I'm not going to get into the details, but generally. Oh, I can yeah, give you the. I, I, I can I give you this. Well, I can give you the snippet version, which is, they they go through a wormhole. Uh, the ship comes through a wormhole uh, because the sh- that ship was supposed to be destroyed in the past and it wasn't. All the reality changed, and right. the uh, Enterprise is now like this this guardian thing, but it's a ship, but it's got weapons on it and everything else. And they spend the whole episode. Talking about how from one room to the next was characters talking about, just talking about how they, should they send the ship back or not send the ship back? I spent the whole episode wondering if they should or shouldn't send the ship back. The only action that happens in the whole episode is Picard jumps over a railing. (laughs) And then, and then at the end of the episode, when they finally say, okay, we're going to send the ship back, I'm expecting to see the battle, like the ship, go through the wormhole and enter the battle where it's supposed to be destroyed. At least see the what the battle looked like. They right. go through the wormhole and credits. <laughs> and I'm like, this was, you this built two parter. You built up. <laughs> you built up all of this for credits. It's a bunch of people talking about should they send the ship back, and then we get credits. I was so pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we heard a lot about that the next show. You did the next episode did. we recorded. Now, I, in hindsight, maybe not our best choice, but I do still stand by the fact that it's a worthwhile show. <laughs> I'm sure it is. It's just not for me. No, I'm sure. I do like the movies. The movies I do genuinely enjoy, and I don't know if it's just they have a bigger budget, so they can do more things that they couldn't do on the show. I don't know, but that's a big part of it. Yeah. yeah. So, 
Hey, I went I went right. opening night Tangent. to first, I okay. went opening night to first contact, so that should tell you. Uh at least I'm willing to give Star Trek a chance, so. Alright. <laughs> right. Uh question number two. <laughs> yeah. We won't be this long winded no, every time we, we promise. Yeah. No, you're good. Uh so uh since you like Transformers, Autobot or Decepticon? Oh, Autobot all the way. Okay. Favorite Autobot, just as a quick aside. Ironhide. Nice. Oh, nice. Like yeah, that. yeah. Horrible first-generation toy, but awesome. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> they just showed a new one that looks pretty sweet, so I'm excited about that. And I, I love the masterpiece. So. Yeah, the, uh, oh, yeah, the, those Siege, are the, best. the Siege one's pretty good. I have that figure. Uh, I have that one, too. Yeah. yeah. I like it. Uh, so tied into uh, kind of spinning off what Robert said, uh, favorite Transformer cassette? Oh, that's a question. Uh, definitely Laser Beak. Okay. Ah. Yeah, I like Laser Beak a lot. Very cool. Yeah, Ravage was my favorite. Ravage was mine, yeah. But. See, and I also like them. And then the other question is Rumble and Frenzy, like, what color is what? Yeah, I'm not even going to start to <laughs> Yeah, I don't I can't. I can't tell them apart. I, uh, that's a whole... It depends if it's cartoon or toy. Yeah. And people like right. take sides. I always go to, yeah, I always nice. go cartoon, so that's... Okay. That's usually where I go, yeah, too. Yeah. So. Uh, since I know you're a big Masters of the Universe fan, uh, He-Man or Skeletor? Uh, He-Man. Okay. I mean, I love Skeletor, but, like, I want to be He-Man. I wanted yeah, to grow up to be He-Man when no, I was a kid. I think I've, I think I've flipped on this. Like, Skeletor's, I used to be He-Man all the way, yeah. but I think Skeletor's really grown on me in my older age. I think I, I think I understand him better. <laughs> <laughs> now that I've gotten older, I think. And now I that you have kids, you're more. like. <laughs> my yeah, favorite is to uh, read He-Man storybooks to my son and do Skeletor's voice, and he gets really mad at me. Like, <laughs> what are you doing, you boob? <laughs> oh, so I got. So speaking of Skeletor's voice and all that, which that was a fantastic impersonation, by the way. Uh, oh, <laughs> um, so. Our, our buddy Sam, who I talk with every day, uh, has been on the show before. Uh, he uh, mentioned about how there's an, uh, another one of those streaming services out there that has the new adventures of He-Man. And I was like, oh, I was like, yeah. dude, I can't watch that. And he goes, it's really not. He goes, I tried watching that one too. I want again one that I want to like, but I can't. Um, so he's like, no, it's actually pretty good if you can get past the character designs and the voices. And I says, oh, no, that's, I, that's exactly what I said. I was like, oh, so if I, and he says, forget that it's supposed to be He-Man. And I was like, so if I basically forget everything about the show and just see it as something else and pretend they have different voices and don't look the way they look, then it's a good show. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> oh man. But yeah. Yeah. For some reason I have an unabashed love for all of that. So, <laughs> but I hear hundred percent what you're yeah. saying. <laughs> I even yeah. like the movie. Well, so. and I will tell you, oh, yeah. I can, I can probably live with most of it, but Skeletor is what kills me in that one. Is, oh yeah. I can't, I can't handle the design or the voice of Skeletor in that show. The bug eyes. Yeah. And the, yeah it's weird. The rest of it, I can actually tolerate pretty well and actually enjoy the rest of it. Uh, but it, yeah, Skeletor is what ruins it for me because, Skeleton, I, this is one of the only times, He-Man is one of the only times where I actually like the villain more than the hero. Normally I, I am all about the hero, but I, yeah, I like yeah. Skeletor in He-Man more than He-Man himself. Now that being said, I for sure get that. Yeah. Now that being said, Man at Arms is my favorite character in Masters of the Universe, so. Oh, nice. So, yeah. I'm a big fan of Fisto as well. I like Fisto nice. a lot. <laughs> tough. I'm a big fan of his Mustang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Well, he is one of the uh, sadly named characters in in no, that toys. Is, well, that, <laughs> that kind of rocks. Yeah, Fisto. You yeah. got Skidmark and GI Joe and. <laughs> I just somebody just literally sent me a link yesterday that uh, here I'll pull it up just very quickly. Um, <laughs> that uh, some article is like you know like from the Onion or something like that is like a fake article that says GI Joe Tribunal refuses Snow Jobs request for alias change. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like an article and I was like I kind of laughed I said yeah Skidmark was hoping this would go through as well <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah, as, as much as I love uh, Snowjob yes I agree with the name is <laughs> um, this is one of the off the wall questions cake or pie oh pie I do not like cake uh, I'm not a fan of icing either okay <laughs> pound cake's pretty good yeah, uh, pound cake's good stuff Apple pie, by the way. Nice. Oh, that is that, that is, is good, good stuff. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Uh, this is the classic Duke or Flint. Okay, look, <laughs> I know my answer should be Flint, <laughs> but I liked Duke when I was a kid, yeah. and I named my son Duke, right. so I have to say Duke. Oh, okay. Well, I, I was about to like hang up, but like, you <laughs> get the pass. No, I like Flint a lot. Don't get me wrong. Like I, yeah. Flint it would be my choice now. Duke was my choice when I was a kid. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, if, like, if you if you name your progeny after Kurt, you can't say like, nope, I don't like Duke. You can't <laughs> say that because like literally, this is recorded and your son will hear it eventually. Right. <laughs> I had a dog named Lady J. Nice. Oh, that's awesome. That's <laughs> so awesome. So oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I do like, yeah, yeah. Well, and, right, and yeah. if if Robert wasn't on and it was Chuck that was on with us, you'd be fine because that's where the debate came from. Was Chuck is a, a Duke guy and I'm a Flint guy, so it was. Oh, right. yeah. that's, and then I brought Robert on because he liked Flint, and it was like now it's two to one, yeah. so we we're good. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so in fact, Ryan said you can come on as long as you agree with everything I say, and I was like, sounds great. And then so I, I joined up, and it's been great ever since. Right. <laughs> and it was only for half of the soul. So it's, uh, yeah, I know. I oh, guess it's a bargain. Yeah. Um, there's another off the wall one: hamburger or hot dog? Uh, I guess hamburger, but I stopped eating meat, so veggie burger. Oh, there you go. Okay, <laughs> I can respect that. My wife yeah. is a vegetarian, so we're. Good. But even before that, like, there's nothing better than a, like a good burger, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, just out of curiosity, with uh. Veggie burger, you have a particular brand that you like or anything? Um, if it's just like straight up veggie burger, it would be the, oh, what is it? The Grillers in the green package. What was that? Uh, yeah, Morningstar Grillers are really yep. good. Yep. And I also like, uh, Beyond Meat is pretty good if you're gonna buy like the actual like weird fake meat made with heme and whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, my wife loves the Morning Star, just the veggie patty ones, and then yeah. we, uh, and I like them too. They taste good. Uh, but I've gotten the griller ones, and uh, that was one where my taste buds changed on it because I didn't like it when I first had them, uh, and now I've I've gotten them more recently, and I think they're fantastic. So, yeah. All right, uh, this is a controversial one. Uh, is Chewbacca a sidekick? Oh man. Was that how he always worded it? Was he a partner or a sidekick? I've always asked if he's just a sidekick. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Um, no. 
No, he's a co-pilot. Yeah. He's a co-pilot. Yeah. I'll give him that. Yeah. That's how I saw it. it was like he's I mean, there's the like the life dead, but now with Solo, I don't know if it's considered life dead exactly. <laughs> right. Uh, I'm not a Solo hater either, by the way. I do like that movie. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I don't know. But he's he's co-pilot. Yeah. I always saw him as a partner. I saw him as the co-pilot. I never saw him as a sidekick because, to me, in my mind, a sidekick means that you're being trained by somebody uh, and you have things to learn from that person. I felt like, if anything, Han had more things to learn from Chewie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's like half or a third his age or something like that. I'm right. Like, yeah, Chewie's got way more to teach him. Right. Oh, he yeah. knows how to fix the Falcon better. <laughs> yeah, that's you watch the whole true. dynamic. Like, he's really doing everything in that cockpit, too. Like, other than maybe <laughs> Steve. Like, right. Other than the maybe the first one to leave. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, I, uh, we only have this question on here because there's been a few people that have surprised us with it. Uh, R2 or 3PO? Oh, I'm an R2 guy, but I do love 3PO. He makes me laugh all the time, but R2 is just a dick. Right. So <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> Yeah, we've only well, I had. Think I would, I would be too if if three PO was following me around all day. I'd, right, I'd be done. <laughs> it's definitely a love hate relationship there with those yeah. two. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, we. I, I've always thought about taking that question off because almost everyone says R two. And the second, like, we, were, I was like, okay, I'm gonna ask this question one more time. And if someone said, if no one says three PO, I'm taking it off. We're not asking it anymore because it's boring if everyone answers the same way. And then, yeah. sure enough, that episode, it was Mike Costa that we had on, and he said, Yeah, that's right. And I was like, oh, nice. I was like, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we've had one other person say 3PO since then. I can't remember. Yeah. Chuck he's definitely. such a great character. Like, even in the, the newest movie, like, he's oh, yeah. one of the shining stars of that movie, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, in the Rise of Skywalker, I actually really yeah. liked him a lot. So. He's great. Yeah. Um, and then last but not least, uh, this is a tough one. Uh, if you were not in the profession you're in now, what would you be doing? Oh boy. Um, if I weren't an artist, and well, that's like, it, hey, well, well, I was going to say keep it PG 13, please. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to, I'm going to rule out like film, making film and all that stuff, right? Like, cause I've kind of worked and did a bunch of stuff like that. So you I'm going to go that direction if you want. You can do whatever uh, direction say, you want. I might be a chef. Okay. Oh yeah. So I like to cook a lot. Nice. And um, even when I was little, like I always watched cooking shows. Like it's my job. Like I still watch them all the time. And uh, I usually cook most of the meals at our house. And uh, nice. I did. That was an option at one point. So, okay. Uh, nice. What like What it. kind of typically? What type of food do you like? Like Italian or grilling or like? Do you have a specialty or something? Uh, I wouldn't say that. I, I, I like to cook all kinds of different things and, uh, I get kind of bored cooking the same things all the time. And, yeah. uh, sometimes one of the most fun, uh, ways to cook, it's frustrating until you're successful is to do like, we need groceries. It's time to play chopped in my own kitchen and uh, <laughs> come up with some interesting things sometimes. So, oh yeah. 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 I really like doing that. Yeah. No, that, that's, uh, I do a lot of the cooking in my house also. And yeah. Um, my wife's appreciative of that. And, and there's times, like you said, where it's just like, okay, I've got this and this and my, and I'll make something. And my wife would be like, this is really good. When did you think of this? I was like, I thought of it when I realized I had an egg in the house and <laughs> some, some cheese and <laughs> an old piece of toast. I'm like, I'm really scrambling here. I'm trying to figure out. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's it, man. That's it. Yeah. 
So, uh, awesome. All right. Uh, so let's, uh, let's talk about the comic itself and the Kickstarter we're doing here. And, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of turn things over to Robert so you can kind of steer wherever you want to go with it. All right. Very cool. Um, so in general, uh, to kind of introduce the, the listeners, we, we've probably talked about Kickstarter peripherally, like throughout the show, just either projects we've supported, you know, we've been a part of projects or, um, you know, kind of pledged to them and just over the years. And it's become this really great platform, especially for comics as a way to kind of resource them. Um, and it really took the power out of the publisher's hands in a lot of ways, uh, especially when it first started and people were kind of figuring out what it could be. Mm-hmm. And of course, over the years, it's developed and there have been enough people that have ran successful Kickstarters that there is a bit of a formula that you can kind of follow. Uh, but there's no real good guidebook, right? There's yeah. no, while there is a formula, um, how do you interpret that then to your own project is still a bit of a mystery. So a lot of times people will go about it. You either try and talk to people, you know, that have run them. Uh, you try to reach out to Kickstarter directly and sometimes you can get feedback that way. You do your research, uh, you know, online or, you know, so there, there's a lot of planning that goes into even kind of launching something like understanding everything that's involved. Uh, and so it's this kind of bit of a mystery. I was kind of hoping what we could do is obviously you're the kind of person, Ryan, that you don't just dive into something without looking at it first. Right. Um, so first off, what made you decide that Kickstarter was the option uh, that you would use for the project? And then what were some of the resources you used to kind of get the ball rolling to learn about it to begin with? Sure. So um, I first actually, I think I first got into or learning about Kickstarter because of uh, actually maybe because of your project with elders of the runestone, like I had heard right. of it and everything else, but I never, yours project was definitely the first one that I ever funded, uh, uh-huh. or backed, I should say. Um, and like you said, it's kind of grown over time. <clears throat> so I know Indiegogo is kind of picking up as well. Um, right. but Kickstarter seems to be the one that people really know and have a lot of trust and faith in right now. Right. Uh, so They've that, kind of built up a brand name. Yeah. You know, yeah. Of, uh, getting things actually produced. Yeah. yeah. And especially when it comes to, um, comics and everything else. And, uh, it was something where I, I did a lot of research looking at other, uh, projects I backed or ones that were just out there that were kind of similar in, in feel and everything else. And like you said, there, there's a, a guide with it, but there's also <laughs> no rhyme or reason sometimes why something gets back. Yeah. It's a bit weird. Yeah. You could put something out there uh, and be asking for five hundred dollars to back it, and you get like two million. Uh, and yeah. then there's something where you've got this amazing uh, looking presentation, and it looks like it's a surefire thing, and it gets like twenty bucks. Um, right. So, uh, <clears throat> so there there's definitely things to look at. So I, I would I'd start looking at successful kickstarters uh, and looking at all that type of stuff. And then the other thing that was helpful was actually doing one, uh, yeah. because I learned a lot from the lack of success with the last one. Um, right. and was like, okay, uh, here's what I did. Here's what didn't work. Here's what people kind of gravitated towards. So there's a lot of, an, uh, analyzing it. You know, yeah, there's disappointment when you first like, you know, we didn't reach what we wanted to reach, 
But then there's a lot of like, well, why didn't we reach that? And why did, you know, was, where was our goal and why did it, our, why did we feel our goal had to be that? And what, uh-huh. what was interesting people and stuff like that? So one of the things too was, um, I was fortunate enough that you had, Robert, you had somebody come out from Kickstarter to teach a class and you were kind enough to have them take a look at the project and Alex got to actually talk with that person. Right. Uh, and then she came back with the feedback and I remember her letting me know the feedback and she's just like, I, I'm trying to think of a nice way of saying this stuff. And I was like, I don't need you to say it nice. I need you to just tell me. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and she basically said like you made, uh, the person from Kickstarter said you made it about you, uh, as the creators, right. not, not just me, but her as well, Alex as well. Yeah. Um, she's like, you made it about you guys and nobody knows you from anybody other than those that listen to the podcast and stuff. So it does, it didn't entice people to about what your project was and it needs right. to be more about the story and what they're getting. And while you don't want to tell them everything, you need to tell them enough of the story. They need to, uh, be, get invested in the characters and the story. And so you, you kind of need to, in this day and an age of the environment, you know, it would have been one thing if it was 20 years ago where people are excited to not know everything. Nowadays, everyone wants to know everything. So, right. so tell them as much as you can tell them, show them as much as you can show them to get them to invest in it. So, um, so that's why I went into Kickstarter. Um, uh, just like I said, it was more the, the recognition for people the success that people have had with it and a lot and the ability to really look into other people's projects to, to kind of gauge it. And then, like I said, uh, from that point was learning, okay, I don't need the goal to be this high because I, I actually, the last time I set the goal was I was thinking I'm going to have to produce all of this stuff, all these rewards right. and everything else. How much is it going to cost me to produce all of these rewards? Well, not all of those rewards <laughs> were, were chosen. <laughs> so, I like, right. I don't need to produce all these things. <laughs> Therefore, yeah. the goal can be lower. <laughs> um, and then right. there were some other things I learned like, okay, this is an expense that really wasn't needed. And I'll give you an example was we, in the last Kickstarter, we had stickers like, uh, die cut stickers. There was yeah. four die cut stickers. Stickers are expensive. Um, yeah. and I was like, I think people would be okay if the goal was lower and we achieved the goal and we're able to produce the comic. And they didn't get a sticker. I think they'll be okay with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I like, I removed the stickers from it. I, I, there was a couple things I removed and then there's things that we've added. Um, so it wasn't all removal, but it was also adding some things in, uh, that entice people, uh, from other Kickstarters and everything else. So that's, that's kind of where we are now where it's like, okay, we have realistic goal. The Kickstarter's focused on the characters and the story that we're trying to tell. We still show who the, who the creators are, but it's, it's at the bottom. It's at, it's at the end. So right. if you go all the way through and you, you finally get to see who, if you want to see who's all involved, we're all there. And a little bit about each of us is there, but all of it before that, the video, the, the images, the, everything before showing the creators is all about the story. It's all about the characters so that you can learn about them and, and care about them. Yeah. And so it's, I mean, I think the, the few things to really pull from that was just that, Yes, you have to do your research, and there are a number of resources to do that. But also, uh, I've known a number of projects that put it out there and either didn't get funded or didn't quite do exactly what they were hoping. Uh, and you can pull it either mid-campaign if it's not quite working or uh, and revise it and put it back up again. Or if it doesn't succeed, you just kind of reevaluate exactly what Ryan mentioned. And there's nothing wrong with launching it again, but you want to do it 
in a more informed way, you know, and that's going to set you up. Um, the, the thing is with, with Kickstarter, there's, um, typically the, the highest percentage, 80% of successfully funded Kickstarters are in that $3,000 to $5,000 range for comic books in, in particular. Um, and it's not to say that others don't get funded, but that's kind of the sweet spot. Um, but even people who are trying to fund that their first time might find it difficult if you haven't built up some kind of a, either a following, a fan base or some, um, of that, like proof of purchase, like proof of buying, you know, that they can, they can rely on you getting a project done. Um, so some suggestions that get put out there is to do maybe a small, you know, $500 Kickstarter kind of build up to maybe a, a one or $2,000 Kickstarter. Um, and this is just one avenue. Yeah. Uh, and then that way you can show, Hey, look, I've created and successfully funded two, uh, you know, campaigns before this one. And then of course, then that kind of gives that confidence in buying. Um, now Kickstarter, they say it all over the place. Kickstarter is not a store, right? It's like plastered and all the small print, but it's even all over the place. However, you'll never be able to convince the general public that everybody goes in, they click on it, they expect it, right? right? Which is kind of the way it works. And they should really Kickstarter is a way to kind of like, uh, obviously crowdfund, but to invest in the potential product. Right. Um, and, uh, and that's not to excuse anybody who hasn't uh, gotten a project out, <coughs> Rustone, but any other project, um, just in general, there's there are all kinds of real life situations can happen that might slow it down or it doesn't it doesn't get done. Especially this so day. So the and fact age. that yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> so the fact that um, you know if you can get a small campaign done, it gets successfully funded and it's successfully like uh, fulfilled, then that actually says a lot. Like that's yeah. it. It takes a lot of work to get that done. Um, so in general, what are some kind of like the, the timeline things that you want to kind of promote is like, all right, this is the scope of our project. What is the actual tangible goals of your project? What's going to be produced? And then what's kind of like your, uh, you know, best case scenario timeline, uh, with everybody understanding that life happens. Right. Yeah. And so, uh, what we were looking at is, I know for ours, <clears throat> so, uh, you guys, everyone got to hear, um, uh, Joel's background and everything else. So, uh, we're working with, uh, not only am I working with Joel to, uh, get the pages done, but we're also working with, uh, colorist Ross Hughes. Um, and he has a, a flatter, which was, a, I didn't know about this step in comics. I didn't know, oh, yeah. I didn't know about a flatter. All of a sudden Ross is telling me about a flatter and I'm like, what? He's talking about splitting pages and everything else. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like you're farming out the work. What? I don't get this. So, so then I find out about this position called the flatter and, uh, it's being done by Evan Evans. Uh, that is his name. Uh, <laughs> uh, very cool guy. And he's also actually teaching his daughter how to do that work. And she actually did. Nice. Flatting. Sweat, wor sweat workshop. Yes. I get the kids to work. Yes. That's what I'm uh, and she actually did some of the flat work for, uh, for, uh, <laughs> the flatting work. That's awesome. Uh, for, uh, Stealth Hammer. So, uh, I'm actually giving her some credit also for, for work. Oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah. So I think it's awesome. To, I, I don't know how old she is. She looks like she's, uh, maybe in her teens or something like that. But I thought, yeah. how awesome to have a, a teen working on an all ages comic. Um, yeah. So she's doing that. Uh, we also have, uh, Dave Sharp, who's going to be doing lettering. 
and right. uh, I should mention Ross and Dave have both worked for a lot of indie comics. They've also worked done work for DC and Marvel and, and stuff like that. So um, uh, definitely some some great experience being brought in. Um, so Joel, will work, uh, once we know that we're funded, uh, Joel will start working on pages. Uh, so we have three pages done for the comic and a cover done. Right. There's 19 more pages to go. Um, and then there'll be, uh, the five page story that Alex did previously. So we're going to have, uh-huh. so we're going to be doing a, about a 28 page, uh, comic. Uh, Shannon Gallant, who's been on the show many times, he's doing a pinup that's, uh, mm-hmm. will either be on the inside back cover or might even be used as the back cover. I'm not, I haven't, it depends on what he does. Um, uh-huh. and, uh, and Robert, you yourself are going to be doing a variant cover, uh, for the project. Yeah. So I'm excited about that and seeing what that looks like. Um, so, as that gets done and then pages get moved along to the colorist and everything else, the, the plan and the goal is to get all of the artwork done before end of the year. Um, I, I feel right. like the, with the Kickstarter ending at the end of August, uh, it's realistic to with buffer months and everything else that by the end of the year, everything should be done as far as the artwork is. Um, and then right. we're looking at, uh, getting everything to the printer and all that type of stuff. I am putting out that by March of 2021 is when things should start shipping out to everybody. So I feel like there's plenty of time there, plenty of buffer space and everything that, uh, if things do come up and, and go south for a bit, we still have plenty of time to still fulfill that time period. Um, if for any reason, God forbid, that doesn't happen, of course, I would be updating people as to what is going on and what may be causing a delay. But I feel like we've built right. enough of a buffer there that by March of next uh, of 2021, people should start seeing stuff being mailed out to them. Right. Very cool. Yeah. yeah no, I think I think that that's it's certainly realistic. Um, in general, there when it comes to Kickstarter, there's a, a lot of things that will still sneak up and kind of grab you like you weren't expecting. You don't have any control over the shipping, right? right? So you go to get your book printed, and at that point, it's out of your hand. You literally can't do anything. So for all the people, uh, especially when, like, the COVID stuff hit yeah. or 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 at times, you know, you might print over in China or something, and then it's it gets held at, in the import-export office, and yep. then you're like, well, I can't do anything about this. And it can sit there in a container for months, and you're like, I, I there's nothing I can do. Right. You know, so like I said, life will happen and, and things can at times get pushed back. But I think that you've got a realistic schedule there. And I think that that's entirely possible. Yeah. Well, and I know uh, our buddy Brian Shearer, he ran into that with his stuff was coming from overseas and it was on, yeah. said it was on the slow boat from China. <laughs> it's like it just took a, it just took a while for it to show up. So, uh, yeah, so it does happen. Uh, so that can, yeah, that can definitely happen. I think, um, the, in general, uh, so what are, uh, some of the the places that people can kind of follow along with your progress, and obviously they can go to the Kickstarter to see updates. Yeah. Uh, but where what are other platforms that you're using to kind of promote it or update it, or how would you how do you want people to yeah who are listening to the podcast to get the word out? How would you like them to? Yeah. Do that? So uh, so we're on all the major uh, platforms that like at least the three big ones out there. So we're on Facebook. We're on Instagram and we're on Twitter. So there is a Facebook fan uh-huh. page for Stealth Hammer. Uh, there is a Twitter account. It's at Stealth Hammer. And then there is an Instagram account that's at Stealth Hammer. Um, so you can find it. <laughs> Self promotion one. Right. 
Like you heard it here. Be consistent, right? Um, have a Gmail account for it once things get up and going. So there's stealthhammercomic at gmail.com. So that's, that's the email address for it. Um, so if you have questions, you can, you can send them that way if you wish to. Uh, but you can also, I've been very on top of and responsive, just like I'm with First Star Joe's, uh, as far as all the social media. So when people are commenting and I, I'm making sure I interact with people, I'm trying to post stuff at least every other day because <clears throat> right now, uh, we have the, you know, the, the three pages and the cover and everything else. So I'm, I'm kind of putting teaser images out there and everything else and kind of updating what we're doing. Uh, but once the full thing gets funded, there's going to be lots of updates, you know, and, and while the project's going on, there's going to be updates going on. Cause I know Joel's working on some other art things tied into it, uh, which, uh, I can let him mention that brief, uh, here as well, uh, in a second. Uh, but yeah, that's, uh, so there'll be things to kind of see on those pages, uh, on those social media pages. Uh, of course I'm going to be using Star Joe's, uh, to promote right. as well. I will absolutely share things, but, uh, to see everything, uh, you'll want to go to the Stealth Hammer social media pages. Cause, uh, I don't, I will of course use Star Joe's, but I don't want to inundate the fan base we have for Star Joe's just to say every day, Hey, here's my comic. Here's, here's this comic. And so I, cause that's not what Star Joe's was for, yeah. but of course I'm going to use that platform. And of course I'll be using my own personal, uh, Facebook and Twitter and right. all that fun stuff to promote it as well. Um, but, uh, Joel, if you want to mention, uh, some of the other artwork that you're, uh, going to be working on during, during the campaign that they might get to see some sneak peeks to during, during the course and, and the reason why we're doing it. Oh, sure. Um, well, first, um, the first two major ones are going to be for the prints, um, two posters, uh, that are going to have a lot of other characters from the Stealth Hammer world. I don't know if do we want to go into that any specifically what they okay. are. Yeah. Uh, so one is um, Watts, the robot that's on the cover, and Ari the elf running away from a bunch of little demon-looking characters uh, talk, called Chocolosh. Yeah. And uh, in the background, there's going to be uh, our rendition of the Baba Yaga and one of our main villains, um, kind of chasing after these guys. It's going to be funny and uh, maybe a little creepy. I don't yeah. know. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I started working on our version of Baba Yaga today, so that's pretty exciting. I was like that character. And when we're referring to Baba Yaga, we're not referring to, uh, yes. to uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Keanu Reeves' character in uh, John Wick. That's, that's, a, diff- right. that's a different right. Baba Yaga. <laughs> yeah. This is uh, more like the one from Myth and Legend, like uh, I guess people would probably be familiar with it from Hellboy, really. I yeah. mean, Baba Yaga was featured prominently in Hellboy. Yeah. Uh, but this is definitely a different take. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I, I hope people will be surprised uh, by what we're doing there. And, and then the other uh, poster is um, when Stealth Hammer meets... Oh, uh, <laughs> I'm still learning everyone's names. So she meets uh, the goddess uh, Aurora. Uh, which you. is uh, after the Aurora Borealis, which is in Iceland, uh, where a lot of the mythology for Stealth Hammer originated from. So uh, there'll be a lot of ties to Iceland throughout the throughout the series because we do hope this will be a series, not just a one issue. Uh, yeah. So, uh, but yes, yeah, she will meet the uh, a lot of Aurora. interesting creatures and characters in that piece as well, yeah. and uh, really cool environment. Uh, 
a kind of a small like castle type building and some strange rock formations. And uh, man, I think it's really going to help um, establish the world of Stealth Hammer above and beyond even what the preview pages do or even the first issue. So to really, I think, hopefully give all the Kickstarter supporters like a good meaty taste, I guess, yeah. of, of what we're trying to do here. Yeah. And the and the idea too is that uh, because like I mentioned we're uh, looking at this being more than just one issue, we want it to become either a mini series or hopefully an uh, ongoing series uh, down the line. It's to show a publisher. Uh, it's not only something fun for those that back the project, but it's also something that we can show to publishers and say, there here's a glimpse at future story ideas and and where this story is going to be going. So. Um, mm-hmm. so there, there's, uh, these images, like Joel mentioned there, the one is fun and the, and the other one, while also fun to look at is also kind of prophetic, uh, because it's stealth hammer coming to this council of mythological beings and, uh, heading that council is the goddess Aurora. Uh, and, uh, all of these beings that are there and creatures that are there are, uh, from a lot of research. Uh, into mythological beings and, and make, but still making them our own. Uh, and, uh, and then when he met and tied into that, he mentioned the, the pinup of, uh, of, uh, or the poster of, um, Ari and Watts chase, being chased by Baba Yaga, who has the, the Tokolosh. The Tokolosh are also from mythology. They're African mythological creatures. Um, Spun in our own way, they're kind of like a gremlin type character, um, mm. and uh, they're but they're a lot smaller. Uh, they're mischievous, of course, um, but they're created by dark dark magic, uh, and that dark magic usually created by a witch, hence Baba Yaga. Um, so uh, they're just fun creatures, and we have Doctor Alexander, who is her is Stealth Hammer's uncle, uh, using technology to enhance them. So they have a lot of fun uh, contraptions that they use to help chase down Watts and Ari and uh, uh, should be pretty hilarious and ridiculous and, and a lot of fun. So, um, so that was, that was a fun thing to do is really kind of to help flesh out the world was to do more research into mythologies that are out there that uh, while people might be familiar with Baba Yaga, there's a lot of other mythological characters that I've rarely if ever have seen in comics or stories or anything like that. So I want, that was the, that was my thought behind it. I was like, Oh, this is an interesting character and I've never seen it used before. So. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Um, so, uh, real quick. So when, when does the Kickstarter campaign go live? Uh, so people can be on the lookout for it. Obviously you'll update us through these social media sites, but as far as it goes live and, it's a 30-day campaign, yes, right? Yes, 30-day campaign. It goes live July 25th, which is this Saturday. Uh, this episode should come out uh, Wednesday night, I'm hoping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, at yeah. the very latest, Thursday night. Um, so if you're one of the early people listening to Star Joe's, it's, it's coming up. Uh, if you're someone that's a lagger uh listening to star joe's that's perfectly fine but that means it's going on right now uh, so but it's uh, Ju- <laughs> so, yeah, it so it's yeah. july 25th around seven o'clock uh is when i'll be pushing the launch button uh we'll do a whole countdown right, cool. party and everything so uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh and then i'll probably be drinking heavily as i watch 
stuff happened. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but no, that's, uh, that is the launch. Uh, very excited about it. Um, and, uh, yeah, very interested to see what, what will happen. Um, we are, uh, looking, uh, I know you mentioned, uh, typical goals for a comic. We're not doing a typical goal, evidently, but <laughs> it's much lower goal than last time. Uh, we're looking for 8,500. Yeah. We reached yeah. almost 6,000 last time. Uh, and there was a lot of promotion that I didn't do ahead of time last time. Uh, and, right. uh, that was another lesson that I learned was I needed to start promoting it early. And I have done that. And I've also promoted it in down avenues that I never promoted before. Uh, I actually had a local newspaper, uh, do an article on it. Uh, right. Yeah. I yep. saw that. Uh, and I had another local newspaper do an article on it. And then I had my, um, uh, grade school, uh, is doing an article. They're supposed to send something to me this week. Uh, and they're going to put it in their newsletter and on their social media page. Uh, and mm-hmm. then, uh, reaching out to independent websites. Uh, I got a press release put together that I, uh, sent out to a few independent websites that I reached out to and they responded back. Um, yeah, just a lot of different avenues that I didn't do before Facebook indie, indie comic groups and stuff like that. And then we have, and right. then I have Joel with, and, and Ross and Evan and, you know, like a bunch of people that can also, uh, get the word out to people they know, uh, that. Yeah. Right. I've been a part of a couple other Kickstarters in the past. I work with a kids band, uh, called the Shazbots. We had a $20,000 Kickstarter budget for a pilot TV show and we did an album on Indiegogo and we funded both of those plus. So hopefully me and my network as well will come in handy. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah. yeah sure. <laughs> So I, I feel like it's realistic based on where we finished last time and, and uh, like I said, a lot of mm-hmm. the different avenues and being able to build it up um, more and more over the, the past year and everything. So um, and I know even just through the indie sites that I uh, posted stuff to, I had quite a few people that said, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. So um, Yeah. And I think uh, just as a kind of a bit of a peek behind the curtain as well, like, uh, you know, Sometimes you look at an amount somebody got for their Kickstarter and you think, oh my gosh, they just pocketed 20 grand or, or, or whatever it was. It's like, that is not how it works. <laughs> no. to, begin with, uh, to begin with, like Kickstarter is going to always take their yes. cut, roughly about 3%. Then you have, uh, that's considered income that you have to pay tax yep. on. So the government <laughs> takes their hefty chunk of that amount. Uh, this, we haven't gotten into making the comic yet, but you have to, uh, allow for shipping, yeah. and that's a uh, you can't avoid that. That's a huge chunk of just the expense of getting this done. Yeah, and just uh, to let people just let people know when it comes to shipping because it is deceptive when you're someone backing the uh, a project versus being the one that's running the project. So when you back yeah. a project, let's say it's uh, like our comic, uh, and then shipping, right. uh, I believe I have it at like seven or somewhere around there. So so I have to account for shipping in the goal, right? So, and that's not even just what, you know, uh, the U.S. Post Office or whoever you're shipping through takes. It's like the package you have to yes. purchase, the cardboard, the, the envelopes, the sleeves, the, yeah. and not just for the books themselves, but any kind of physical reward that goes yeah. out, right? So, obviously, shipping uh, takes often anywhere from 30 to 40% of your goal. It's a big, big deal. Um, and then, uh, okay, uh, 
uh, you have to pay for production costs, right? For the physical things to be made and purchased. And then printing, printing is an aspect of it yeah. as well. So um, anybody that kind of balks at like $8,500 to get a book made, that is incredibly reasonable. Yeah, I'm not even sure um, we're, we're, if that's enough to cover everything, to be perfectly honest. But <laughs> but uh, my wife and I talked about it, and we're like, if, if you know, we get the 8500 hopefully we get a lot more but if we get the 8500 yeah uh and there's more that has to come out of our pocket then that's then that will cross that bridge when we get to it so yeah but the, the biggest thing is that that will offset really everything you do to contribute offsets the cost of actually getting this thing done and uh, on the backers end it kind of feels like you're pre-ordering to a certain yes. extent mm-hmm. and they're like well wait why don't i just wait and buy this book when it's on the shelves or I can purchase it off of Ryan's stealth hammer website or right. whatever. Like after the fact, well, you don't understand if you don't back it, then it doesn't get, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, as much as I want this, so you actually have to say you get to, okay. Yeah, I was, no, I was just going to say like, it's, it's one of those things that, uh, as much as we want this to become a mini series and an ongoing series and stuff like that, that's not going to happen if I don't have a comic to take to those publishers. <laughs> <laughs> Right, right. So the, the the biggest thing is like the Kickstarters. What I actually love about Kickstarter is that uh, you get an opportunity to be that driving force to produce new creative pro- projects. Yeah. And to be honest, to have more say in what gets printed as opposed to just sitting back and waiting to see what the next property that IDW or Boom or Marvel or DC decide to put out there. You actually get a say in that. You have the purchasing power ahead of time. It's like being in the boardroom. It's like being on the Marvel uh, writing retreats. You get to be a voice. You know, you get to actually say, I believe in this. I think it could be successful, and I'm willing to put this amount of money into it to make sure that it happens. Yeah. And that's like that's what I love about crowdfunding. I think it's a great opportunity to put the power in the hands of the creators and their supporters. Uh, and, and, of course, like we all love the publishing model, and publishers are awesome, and I'm glad they do what they yeah. do. But um, I'm glad they have they're they're no longer like cornering the market and getting to decide what gets made. Totally agree. And mm-hmm. and then there's also like the other uh, factor that goes into that amount too is I want to pay Joel and Ross and Evan and Dave. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> like this is this is my because at the end of the day this is my passion project. So I you know this is the world I created and the story I created and everything else. And as much as I uh, love it and, and have a passion for it. I am happy, obviously, to not take any money from, from the Kickstarter whatsoever. I can guarantee you none of the money is coming to me. Um, and as much as Joel loves the idea and loves the story and everything else, I didn't go to him and say, Hey, can you draw all this stuff for free and maybe something will come out of it? No, he deserves to be paid right. for the work that he's doing. Ross deserves to be paid for the work that he's doing. I've always, felt that way. Um, uh, Joel believes in it enough that these, these pinup art pieces that he's doing, um, he's doing it with the thought that we're going to get funded so that he can then be paid afterwards. So I, I paid him for the, the pieces right. we've done already, but he's going to do these, these pinup art things like because he believes in the project and because he, uh, he thinks we're going to be successful so that he can be paid for those afterwards. But he, but he still needs he right. still needs to be paid. I want to make sure he still gets paid. <laughs> no, and I completely agree. I even think Evan Evans' like indentured servitude daughter deserves <laughs> to be paid for the pages that she for sure. shattered, right? 
I think she I think she gets paid with uh, house and food. <laughs> yeah. When I was a kid, when I was a kid, I was paid by Twix bars. And happy nice. Boys. So if she gets paid, nice. <laughs> um, and her name's Lacey. Just to let you know, you'll see her name on the on the Kickstarter. So very cool, man. That's that's fun. Yeah, that's very cool. Um, but yeah, it's there's a there's a lot that uh, you, you get your eyes open to when you're you're looking to do the Kickstarter instead of just backing the Kickstarter. So yeah. Well, it's a big, it's a big production, um, but it's a great experience. And and if uh, you know, obviously, I, uh, I I'm excited to support it. I'm excited to be a part of it, and uh, and to kind of see how everything goes. But it's it's kind of just this this big first step, and you've already done a lot of the groundwork for yeah. it. So I think I think you're in a great position for it yeah, to work. Thanks. Um, and and just in case people didn't hear us talk about it before, um, and uh, last time or hasn't been following along. Um, I, I think it's kind of important to mention what Stealth Hammer even is, <laughs> um, as far as what the story basically is. Um, so it was uh, Stealth Hammer. She's a, a superhero character. Uh, she um, finds herself in a situation where she gains powers through technological and supernatural means uh, and finds herself imbued with the ability of fists like sledgehammers and the ability to turn invisible, as well as a few other powers that kind of pop up that are tied to those. Um, but she, uh, and so it kind of sounds like any other superhero story, but until you get into the fact that she uh, is eventually discovered, she's part of a, a legacy. This is a lineage in her family uh, of those that protect the planet and protect uh, the people on the planet uh, from other mythological threats that are out there. And uh, I mentioned it being like Mega Man meets Thor because uh, there is this techn- technology meets supernatural mythology that uh, will starts in the first issue. You'll see they're pretty separate from each other. Uh, but as then as the series goes on, the plan is to start seeing those merge together a lot more. Yeah. I, I really enjoy just, uh, because the great thing is you can merge all these genres together and if it's done tightly and in a smart way, like it can still be all ages and it can still be compelling and really fun storytelling. I've always, I've enjoyed the nature of the character, how relatable the character is, but then also just the, the potential yeah. story you could tell with this character, which is great. It's yeah. a, a, a really cool world that you're building. Yeah. And I think once people see, uh, the pages at the Kickstarter and everything else, they'll see like that fun world that you're, that you're mentioning there. Like there's just, there's a lot of, there's a lot to take in, uh, yeah. in, in the, in the best way possible, but, but it's, um, it is a lot of fun. Um, I know we're on a timetable here, so I also wanted to kind of touch on some of the rewards, uh, and then we yeah. can kind of wrap things up here. Um, so. A few of the rewards that we're doing, uh, one is, uh, of course, you can get the issue, uh, but then there's also, there'll be a digital form available for you as well. Uh, we are offering this time to not only Canada, but to the UK. So last time we did not offer overseas to the UK, this time we are, uh, to have a physical copy sent to you. There will be also a, uh, a reward where you can get the main issue cover and a variant cover. And uh, Joel did the main issue cover and Robert is doing a variant cover for it. Uh, right. so that, that's awesome. Uh, they'll, uh, in that reward, you'll also be able to get some, uh, some of those, uh, poster pinups that we talked about and everything. Uh, there's also a reward for a copy of the original script. We didn't offer that last time. Uh, and I realized some people like to see where the story came from and see 
the actual writing that went into it, and there'll be not only the original script, but I'll have little commentary, side commentary uh, on each page about where oh, things cool. came from and everything. So, mm-hmm. so there's that. There's also going to be a reward, just like last time, that where there'll be an art book, a concept art book, and you'll be able to see pages from from beginning. Uh, Pencil work all the way to the finished product of lettered and colored and everything else. Um, so that one I'm gonna, that's gonna be fun because I'm gonna be putting that together with the help of my wife who's a graphic designer so it won't look too shabby either. Um, Joel is gonna be doing, uh, some commissions as a reward. Uh, have them down for 10 I believe is what, uh, what I threw out there. Uh, sure. So you told me 5 to 10, I went with 10. So, yeah, no, that's fine. <laughs> hey, if people want them, let's go. Yeah, exactly. I'll draw whatever you want. I don't have a problem with it. Cool. Um, <laughs> no and, then, <laughs> and then we are going to have uh, where, uh, speaking of Joel's talent as an artist, we are going to have where you can be a character in the comic. There's five characters in the comic that are these side characters that uh, have little moments in, in the issue. And uh, Joel, I asked Joel, how are you at doing likenesses? He says, yeah, we can do that. And, uh, so I upped the price on that one just a little bit. Last time it was 200. This time it was 250. I, I, for two reasons. One, I saw what other people charged for being drawn in comics on Kickstarters and you're getting a hell of a deal at 250. Uh, right. but the other reason why is because not only, I wasn't going to do, I didn't do this last time, but this time this is what we're doing is not only are you gonna be, is your likeness going to be drawn in the issue, but you're going to be credited in the inside cover as that character. So your, your name will appear in the issue as well. So, uh, if people don't know for sure that that's you, you can point to the point to it and say, see, this is, this is, me. <laughs> um, and then, uh, Shannon is going to be doing, uh, like I mentioned, a pinup, uh, page and he's going to provide the original artwork for that so there'll be an original art uh, option for that and then Robert is doing the variant cover and there's going to be original art uh, available for that as well so right. um, I may have missed one or two reward out there but those are the main rewards uh, that pop into my head that people can have some variety there all right very cool that's everything Joel did you have anything last that you wanted to mention in regards to the the project or anything like that no, I mean, I'm just really excited for people to take a look at what we've been, what we've been working on and uh, find out more about it. Um, sorry, I don't have any original art. I work digitally most of the time, but that's why I'm doing the, the commissions. So yeah, <laughs> those will be physical. Yes. Yeah. The, the, and but uh, thanks for letting me be a part of it, too. Say that uh, officially. I really appreciate oh, yeah. 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 No, I was thrilled. Uh, and like I saw your artwork and I and I've mentioned this to you before, but I'll mention it publicly. I saw your artwork. And was like, this is the guy I want to work with. And then when I saw what you did for this project, I was like, okay, this is better than anything I've seen him do so far. Like your artwork was good before, but then also I see this, and that's what, what that's what you want an artist to do. You want an artist to, to grow in every project to be better than the last one. So, yeah, to to see what you've done for this is like, wow, this surpassed anything I was expecting. So, um, well, thanks. And that's also the the response I've gotten from people. I I've got I actually went and got my hair cut tonight for the show, uh, so everyone could, <laughs> so everyone could see me. I was me. gonna say it looks real nice. 
Thank you, yeah. thank you. I appreciate it. No one said anything up to this point, but uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I actually showed some of the images to my hairstylist, and she was and her mouth dropped, and she was like, "Holy crap, Ryan! Like this is like a real thing." <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, that that has got to be the quote on the back of the book. Ryan's hairstylist quote: "Holy crap, Ryan! This is a real thing." Unquote. <laughs> That's what I'm gonna put in the Kickstarter. They're always looking for quotes to put in Kickstarter. That's gonna be <laughs> yes, you should totally put that in there. <laughs> uh, and my hairstylist name actually does appear in the first issue. I will say, like her. Oh, very cool. Yeah, I, I used uh, care names of people I knew and, and things like that. So that was fun. Um, <laughs> and there's a lot of pop culture references in the issue too. So people like stuff like that. There. Uh, this is kind of my love letter to things that I always enjoyed in comics and pop culture. So. Um, and, and Joel got to throw in some of his favorite things too. So that's, that's oh, always yeah. awesome. Uh, so with that being said, uh, Joel, first off, let's start with you. Uh, where could people sure. find your artwork? Where, you know, where can they find you out there? Yeah. So, uh, my website, uh, you can see a lot of my work there. It's just, uh, joeljackson.design. And, um, I'm also on Instagram and Facebook, um, under Joel Jackson or Otocon one, O T T O C O N, the number one. And, um, I'm on Twitter at, at 2HM Comics. Nice. Yeah. And Robert, where can they find you at? Uh, so I'm just uh, across social media with Robert Atkins Art on Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook page. Um, and uh, you can see my work at the uh, the comic shops. I'm on G.I. Joe, Real American Hero, issue 273 is either out or about to come out. Pretty sure it's out. Um, and then I'm currently finishing up issue 275, which is the last issue of this 10 part snake hunt series, uh, which is just entirely kicking my butt, just kicking the crap <laughs> out of me. It's as if Larry Hama picked me up <laughs> and just full on just kicked me in the balls with this, ep- this issue. So, um, Anyway, that's all I can say. As, as he's now, known to do. <laughs> as he is very much known to do. Just, just totally just go to town speed bagging. Just like, do, 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 do. Like, that's it. Was there a lot um, of pages of the Joes fight the Cobras and you just had to draw it all? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when this issue comes out, we'll do an episode because I do want to talk about the, yeah. the very interesting, uh, sequential art challenge that I have never had to do before in uh, what now a 17 year long career. I've nice. never had to do anything like this before. Oh, we are just... so doing an episode. Uh, All the shows I... get turned into horses. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a nightmare. <laughs> I <know>. So, <laughs> uh, so I, I, anyway, yeah. yeah, we'll go over that. We will. Cause I've been reading, I've been reading the series, so I'm up to date yeah. on the series so far. So oh, very cool. Yeah. So, so that'll yeah. be issue 275. Um, that'll be my last issue. And, um, anyway, so, There'll be future projects after that that I'm already kind of got going, but as soon as I can announce it, I will. So anyway, just Robert Atkins Art Online. Awesome. All right, and uh, you guys know where to find Star Joe's. If you didn't, you uh, you wouldn't be listening to this right now. Uh, (laughs) So so instead, I'm going to plug Stealth Hammer. So again, uh, you can find the fan page for Stealth Hammer on uh, Facebook. You can find at Stealth Hammer uh, on Instagram. You can find at Stealth Hammer on Twitter. Uh, please follow all of those. Uh, once the Kickstarter launches, I will have the link out there, and you'll be able to go on Kickstarter and just search for Stealth Hammer, and you will find it. Um, 
So if you're listening to this and it's after 7 p.m. on July 25th, go on Kickstarter and look for it. Uh, otherwise, follow those social media pages I mentioned, and uh, you'll be ready to go when it launches, because I can guarantee you once I launch it, I'm going to blanket all those social media pages <laughs> <laughs> and every other one I can think of uh, with the fact <laughs> that it has launched. So, um, And and the big thing, too, uh, is I, I, I appreciate people backing it early. Uh, you can back it any time. I appreciate it any time you back it. But... If you back it, uh, if we get enough backing early on, it does get, it does bump it up on being noticed on Kickstarter so that other people will then notice it, right. uh, that aren't Star Joe's fans or Joel Jackson fans or Robin Atkins fans and things like that. So, um, right. so yeah, so if, if we can get some attention to it early on, uh, that's why I ask like that first day when it launches as many people that can back it and realize too, just cause if you don't have the money right now for it, you only are charged that money at the end if we reach our goal. So you right. will not be charged in on July 25th. You would be charged in on August when it ends, uh, near the end of August when it ends. So, uh, right. so if you can back it early, know that you won't be charged until the end of it. So. Um, I appreciate all of that. Uh, and with that, we'll go ahead and close the episode by saying the force will be with you. Because knowing us is half the battle. Take care, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.